Trevor, and welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 370. Before we get going, I have a Boo Crew Fright Fact. Remember those? We used to do those every once in a while. Those are fun. They are. French director and actor Georges Millier is widely regarded as creating the world's first horror film. It's called La Manure du Diable, also known as The House of the Devil. No relation to Ty West's masterpiece. It's a silent movie from 1896. This is a guy who's also known as a creator who brought us 1902's A Trip to the Moon. You've seen that black and white image of the moon with like a big telescope in one eye and it's kind of melting. And he's known for creating some filming tricks that are still used to this day, such as making things appear to vanish on screen by stopping the camera, filming it with the item there and then starting it up with the item not there. Oh, cool. And uh, double dissolve, stop motion. He was like the, one of the first guys to do stop motion. Split screen, fading in and out even, and, and tons more. So there you go. That's your Boo Crew Fright Fact. Wow, I'm so glad nice. that you said his name because I would have botched it. <laughs> I added a little flair to a little yeah, French, I know. Uh, French you, accent. Yeah. I picked up in Canada from years of taking phys ed and math in French. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for choosing the Boo Crew. And you will notice there was no interviewing interview guest on this episode either. The past few episodes, we haven't had a guest. Usually, we do have a guest. So, we're treating you to these completely stream of consciousness episodes. And we hope that you're not getting sick of us. Yeah. But last week, right. we had a guest. We did. We had three guests. Three amazing four. guests. Four guests. Was that last four, week or four. the week before? That was last week, right? Yeah. M. Night, four, M. Night Shyamalan, Rupert, Rupert Grint, Grint, Jonathan Groff, and Ben Aldridge. Yep. From Knock yep. at the Cabin. And hopefully you listening have seen Knock at the Cabin. So good. And freaking loved it. So good. Oh, talk about like just twisting the knife in too, right? Yeah. For some, I don't know, some intense tragedies we've all experienced in the real world over the past uh, decades, really. Yeah. M. Night kind of weaponized all those, and it really, yeah, it hit very close to home. It very unsettling. If you haven't seen it, we strongly recommend it. And again, Dave Bautista's performance, got to shout that out, because it is one of the best performances I've seen in a very long time. It's very good. Yep. And you and you guys in Stuber, that was yep. fun, too. Yeah, we talked about that in the last, uh, we're not going to walk down that path once again. I know you're sick of it listening. Hear about my, uh, my cameo. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so much to talk about today. So much horror news. Uh, Let's see. Uh, What's new in horror? I'm just going to run down some of the newest in theaters and streaming this week real quick. Patrick Reyes, They Wait in the Dark, hits VOD right now as we speak. It's about Amy and her son, Adrian. They flee from her abusive ex-girlfriend, and they land up in Amy's childhood home, where a supernatural force begins to haunt them. Also on VOD, Jeff Ryan's Mean Spirited. That follows a vlogger getting an invite to an estranged friend's mountain cottage to find something is a little off Coming to Shutter February 9th, Attachment, being hailed as a must-watch. It's a debut feature from writer-director Gabriel Bayer Gisalson. It's about a washed-up actress who falls in love. Her name is Leia. Uh, sorry, she falls in love with a woman named Leia, a Jewish academic from London. Traveling to meet Leia's mother unravels a haunting tale of Jewish mysticism. Finally, in limited theaters February 9th, The Outwaters. You're probably hearing a lot about this. Robbie Banfitch's award-winning and very unique spin on found footage combing through through memory cards uncovered in the Mojave Desert after a group of friends disappear while filming a music video. It's extremely dark, kind of sits on the line between Blair Witch and Jacob's Ladder. If you remember that film, very disturbing, very bloody. Check it out. Can't wait to hear what you think of it. Leo, did you happen to see that yet? The Outwaters? No, not yet, but I'm looking forward to it. You were the first out of the three of us to notice. I think there was some trailer you saw at a screening that people were reacting pretty strongly to. Is that is that not true? Yeah, actually, uh, it was at the debut uh, premiere of uh, Terrifier 2. It was, oh, uh, yeah. it was a trailer right, right before the movie, and I remember uh, thinking, like, what is this? And even, even 
my day was like, what is that? That looks creepy. Because it just doesn't show you much, but there's quick cuts, quick quick visuals to like a close-up of an eye with blood, somebody walking through the desert and this weird chanting music. And I'm like, yep. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but find out soon. But it looks good. <laughs> Definitely worth checking out. All right. What's new in horror this week, guys? Uh, big news. Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. in talks to reprise their role in a brand new I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, this is cool. Now, if Sarah Michelle Gellar was there, it would just make my dreams come true because I love her so much. She's such a great actor and she brings so much to any role that she's in. She just brings 100%. So I just was hoping. Then you're a huge Buffy fan. Yeah, that too. So... Maybe. I don't know. You think it's pretty set in stone that she's not coming back? Don't you think Freddie could convince her? Yeah, I think he can pull some strings. Right? Come on. Get on that. Yeah, I think so. The original came out in 1997, and the word is that this is going to be a legacy sequel approach, combining returning characters with fresh faces like they've done with the Scream franchise. It's an early development now with Neil Moritz in talks to return as producer from a script written by Leah McKendrick. So that's the latest on that. We will keep you posted as there's more info. Right now, everybody's in talks. I don't think anything's confirmed 100% yet. Okay. But it seems pretty damn likely. I loved that movie growing up. Mm, so good. So fun. I was talking about Oz Perkins' new film in production last week, Long Legs. Remember that? Yep, I sure do. Return of Oz Perkins wrote and directed this film starring Nick Cage just announced his co-star Micah Monroe. Oh my gosh. It's yes. like your dream. Right? True. Come on, man. It's like if you could make a movie, you would just like put all those ingredients in right? of all those people. Yeah. Oh, I, I already I already know the plot. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Micah Monroe is going to lose her shoes and end up running throughout the whole movie. Middle night. And uh well, Nicholas Cage is not going to say anything but two words. Like I think at the end, <laughs> you, you, you might be right. If that's the case, I don't. I don't care. It's going to be a genius. It, no, princi- it's going to be great. Principal yeah. photography is happening now in Vancouver. So if you're listening in Vancouver, watch for Nick Cage and Micah Monroe and Oz Perkins at a restaurant near you. I'm sure. And we got some plot info. Micah is going to play a gifted new FBI agent assigned to the unsolved case of an elusive serial killer. Played by Nick Cage. This wow. has got hit nice. written all over it. Yes. Yes. Special congrats to Boo Crew guest Kim Petrus. Woohoo. Leo, did you see what happened? Oh, yeah. Grammy win for best yes. pop duo group performance along with Sam Smith for Unholy. Did you watch the performance? I watched the performance. I didn't watch it over the weekend, but I watched it today. Oh, I didn't. I'm Everybody's bummed. freaking out about it. People are freaking out about the performance. Like all these. But they went like full horror, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, Full horror. People okay, like the conservatives are like freaking out, like on the front of Yahoo and all that. So people are freaking out because conservatives are saying it was too satanic. And it was like people Perfect. were saying it was basically a satanic ritual on stage, which it was, which is awesome. That's so I cool. mean, they were all in red and <laughs> Sam Smith had, had like a devil hat and he was in, yeah. kind of in, in the middle of the crowd on this riser and he had this group of. Uh, women it appeared to be women in red with long black wigs kind of shaking them at him and it, it looked like it looked very occult and very cool and Kim Petrus is off on the main stage in a cage dressed in red and she fucking killed it man she oh. killed it they both did so good that's so amazing and Kim Petrus a, a, a legacy guest of the boo crew way back on episode 79 she was in here and she yeah. is a massive horror fan she's released two albums all dedicated to horror and Halloween. That was Turn Off the Light Volume 1 back in 2018, and then the full-length version of that in 2019, featuring a collab with uh, none other than Elvira herself. She knows her stuff. Go, I urge you, go back and check out that episode, and we would love to have Kim back in here. She's fucking amazing and just killing it. Yeah. Another piece of news. Barbarian. Leo, you sent this over. Barbarian made for four million bucks, uh, grossed over forty-five million. We're talking about Zach Krager's insane movie. Reports are that his newest script, Weapons, revolving around witchcraft and missing children, told told via multi and interrelated stories. This is his second feature film ever. This will be his second feature film ever. 
It could be a three hour long movie, they're saying from the script. But so much hype over this script. There was like an auction, like a competition for who would buy the script. And it sold for never before seen price of $38 million to New Line Warner Brothers. And allegedly, Jordan Peele was so pissed that he lost the bidding war that he apparently fired his manager. Is this true? I don't know if that's true, but that's what that's what people are saying. <laughs> that's what people are saying. Well, I mean, wild. And Jordan Peele, if you guys remember, helped out with some. Didn't he like Zach asked him like his thoughts on the ending of the movie? Like Jordan Peele was talking yeah, to him throughout the making so. of the movie a little bit. Like right, he ran right. something by him. So there's already an established relationship there. Oh wow! God, so well, I mean, what a crazy story because. Think back to our conversation when we had Roy Lee on the podcast and him telling us a story that every single studio in town passed on that script. Yeah, Barbarian. Yeah, that's right. So Think about that. Insane. So for all you horror writers out there with original ideas, it's like, don't give up hope, man, because, you know, you know, 300,000 suits out there in the big name studios might not like it, but somebody out there who really, really likes horror might dig it, might, might make it a movie. So if it costs thirty eight million, like how much does that movie have to make? Like to profit? Right when you figure that Barbarian Wait, grossed that over forty five million just for the script, or is that for? No, that's actually that's actually good question. Looking into it, it appears as though that is the entire budget. So. Zach gets a salary of $5 million just to direct it. And it, it sounds like he gets a, another cut of $10 million from the sale of the script. And then the rest would be the budget of the movie. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, especially if, you know, if he approaches it from the indie, you know, point of view and production. I mean, it's totally doable. And on top of that, it's like, you know. It'll definitely gross more than forty million to, to get the money back. Yeah, for sure. And the guy's a genius. Yeah. You know, you know this is going to be yeah. great. I mean, they've already read. Obviously, they know what the script is, right? So they're excited about it. Yeah. Jor- Jordan Peele was sure excited about it, according to this story too. That tells you something, man. You imagine that payday, like fifteen million? Would you even bother doing anything else after that one movie you made? <laughs> I wouldn't. I think I'd retire right no. then. Leo, I mean, look at no, look at dude, look at look at Oren Pelly. He made 180 million off of uh, Paranormal Activity. Look oh. at him, he retired. He's like, screw you guys. <laughs> I'm done. One so and done. You are, Oren Pelly, he's on some farm somewhere in New Zealand. Like, yeah, exactly. What's up, dude? <laughs> so I think I think Zach Kreger hates me, <laughs> guys. I really think no, we, we, we know he hates you. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't think. Guys, yeah. This is like, this is so embarrassing. And I'm so sad because I like him so much. And we had such a great time with him. If you go back on episode 344, we interviewed Zach. And then on th- episode 345, we interviewed Roy Lee, the producer, who, who was instrumental in getting this thing made. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, after that interview... I guess because of our enthusiasm for the movie and we're so excited because we had seen it like they, they, we got to see a screening before we'd really heard anything about the movie. We were just invited to this screening. We knew nothing about it. Just the title barbarian. We didn't know what to expect. And in fact, to be honest with the title, I was thinking like, honestly, like a sword and sandal, like legit, like Conan, the barbarian type thing. Yeah, me was too. That's, I thought what well, we were going to yeah. see. Some like horror, right. you know, blood and guts, sword and sandal movie, which is completely not what it was. I mean, and it even circumvented its own self throughout the movie. If you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. So after where we were just full of praise for Zach and after which I got invited to host the press conference or one of the press conferences for the film a virtual version of the press conference it was justin long writer director zach Krager, and georgina campbell myself and a bunch of other pub, uh, press people so i went on and just judging by the notes that were sent to me by a publicist it was also on imdb it was in a couple articles that i was to introduce justin long as kale 
to be honest, I mean, we saw the screening once. A long time a ago. A long time before the interviews. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I could be Kale. I mean, why would it not be Kale? I'm being told it's Kale. There's articles. I'm looking in old articles. It's Kale. Everything's Kale. Right. IMDb is Kale. I've been told right. to introduce him as Kale. So I, we start the press conference and I'm introducing each of the people and I get to Justin Long and I'm and Justin Long plays Kale and I'm, I'm talking a little bit about his character and they're all looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, what, like, what am I? And I'm trying to keep it going, right? I, I, I can't just stop and awkwardly, you know, whatever. And then I see on the chat thing on Zoom that all the the film company people and, and publicists and press are all hate. It's not his name. It's not his name. It's AJ. Why are you calling him Kale? Stop calling him Kale. Went, oh God, it's, it's AJ. So I slowly start correcting myself and do the press conference. Everything goes well. But at the end, it's me and Zach. Everyone else had kind of disappeared. And I, and I say, uh, he, he looks in the camera and addresses the publicists and everybody. And he says, Hey, could we, make sure that people aren't calling Justin Long's character Kale. I go, yeah, that's actually what I got was. And then he hung up. (laughs) (laughs) He hung up. Nice. And that was the last time I ever spoke to. And uh, I think I tried friending him on Instagram and uh, he never friended back. (laughs) I think he hates me. Honestly, I think I ruined our entire thing like the boo crew and zach Krager, the the love affair that we had it's over doing episode 344 it might be over how could it I, be i over? think i ruined my credibility but i would say it's not your fault because the thing about you is you do so much research it's insane i would say sometimes it's overkill but that's what you have to do for you and if that's what was printed like how were you to know until someone corrected you anybody would have done the same exact thing i mean in my defense i only watched it was able to watch the movie one time right yeah so i could you know i don't remember you know when you see a movie you don't remember months yeah we watched it in the middle of summer and the movie didn't come out till when September or something or yeah the the press conference was, was at like the months. end of August so yeah. yeah it was at least it was at least a month so more, yeah, yeah it was more than a month yeah it was definitely not like super fresh in my mind so I couldn't remember you know I'm bad at names anyway top, but and then on top of that not only IMDb at Kale but the official their paperwork whatever they sent over like their one sheet yeah had Kale because I had on my notes too so I'm looking at this and I'm like when I hear this story I'm like I look at my notes I'm like no it's Kale. And then he told me the story and I'm like, dude, that's their, that's a studio's fault. So, okay. I wasn't there for that interview, but did you guys refer to him the first time before the junket as Kale? I believe we did. Or we just made it generic, like Justin Justin Long's character. But I know we all had notes that said it was Kale for that interview too. But I still have that too. Like I was just concerned that Zach thought like that I was an idiot. Right. Because I don't know if he knew, you know, I don't know if he knew, right? Probably. Like he didn't. just said, this this guy, I, I did this nice interview, and we invited him to do the press, and he fucked up and called my main character, you know, one of my main characters by the wrong name, and then you know, all my credibility's gone. Well, what little credibility? I have. <laughs> well, it, it sucks because it's well, not you know. it's not your fault at all. Well, and somebody was just trying to sweep it under the rug, and I'm like, that's not cool. Like you know, you got to own up to it, you know. Like somebody should have been like, well, guys, in, guys, we're you know, so sorry. You know, in this situation, though, here. there's there's so many, so many uh, chefs in the kitchen, right? Who knows? Right. Who knows? A press person, a publicist, who knows? But it's weird. Like, who got that name? Yeah, and- I wonder if the, if it was the original character's name. Maybe it was Kale, because it's it's kind of hard to fix in an edit, right? If they change it after the fact, like, oh, wait, we're going to call him. We're going to change the guy's name. Yeah. Kale's not working. We're going to go with AJ. Like, I can imagine there'd be like an ADR nightmare. Yeah. Right? Like, use, make sure you're using shots where someone's mouth is facing the other way so you could have them overdub with a different name. I'm very curious. Maybe that is the case. I don't know. But and it's, look, it's, I, I just it's don't possible. want Zach. I just don't want Zach Dave because I fucking love that guy so much. So oh, much. Dude. I know. So it's much. And I hope he comes in again. The name, dude, it's highly possible the name only pops up. 
in those phone conversations when his agent calls him on the cell phone when he's driving. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, it's not like when he's encountering, you know, the other actors throughout the movie. I'm pretty sure it's just like, hey, Kale, what's going on? You know, whatever. So yeah. I'm really curious if, like, that 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 is where it was changed. And if so, pretty simple change if you ask me, because that was Sarah Paxton on the phone. Sarah Paxton, who we also love. Oh now, does she hate us, too? No. no. Please, Sarah I Paxton, can't. don't hate us. I can't. I can't deal with it. I can't. I just can't deal with it. Oh my gosh. If that's the case, we're just done. We're changing the name of this show. We're gonna close the shop. Yeah, we're just closing it. Done. Yep. Oh, heartbreaking. If you know Zach, if you're listening, and you know Zach. Please tell him that. God, we love him so much, and we're so sorry about whatever whatever happened. This is very important, actually. Our friend, our good friend Mark Harris, has a brand new book that is out. As you're listening to this, it's just out now. It's called The Black Guy Dies First, a guy by the name of Mark Harris. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about our friend Mark. Uh, He is an entertainment journalist who has written about cinema and pop culture for over 20 years for New York Magazine, Vulture, Rotten Tomatoes, about.com pop matters salem horror fest napster i could go on because there's a lot and he's been a lifelong horror fan and he created the website blackhorrormovies.com in 2005 and he has been featured as a commentator um in the documentary horror noir and the Shutter series, I believe, Behind the Monsters. Yeah, Mark's a tremendous writer and a great friend. And we're very excited about this book. It's been a long time coming. Pick it up. Amazon, wherever you get your books. Mark Harris, The Black Guy Dies First. I'm going to order mine because I want to read it. Uh, because yes. Mark loves horror. It just like it runs in his blood. His wife does not love horror. But that's okay. Because <laughs> she's awesome. Yeah. But it works out, right? One yeah, can, couple times that I met Mark at, at, over at your, your place. Yep. Um, very, very knowledgeable guy, like very like cerebral, very, you know, in, you know, deep thinker and um, soft spoken guy also. And you could just tell like that guy knows where the bodies are buried. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he knows a thing or two about horror. He definitely does. Yeah, he, he definitely does. does. All right, now back to Boo Crew Sweet Screams. Shit that we've been watching. I gotta, I gotta say, we started, we started watching The Last of Us. Finally jumped I on finally board. Finally brought you into the fold. Yep, Leo, have you? How far have you? Have you watched one through three? I think the last time we talked, you had watched episode three. You had said that it seemed like Mike Flanagan had written episode three, or so moved by it. And we're hearing this a lot. Yeah, yeah. In fact, episode four just dropped last night on Sunday. I think it is. So yep. I'm, I'm, I'm all caught up. I watched episode four as well. Okay. So you've watched one through four. Yes. Do you love the series so far? I do. I, I would do. think I mean, so. I'm not, the feats made it. I'm not, well, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you got to give things a little bit of a chance, okay, okay. right? Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm telling you guys, I'm still not fond of one character. I mean, if you guys are watching, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Because I'm kind of like, ugh. I don't know. I don't know exactly who you're talking about because I have issues with a lot of the characters so far. (laughs) I mean, okay. Gosh. All right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Anything that gets made is a miracle. Any horror movie, any movie that gets made, especially TV show, is a damn miracle that it can get made. (laughs) All right. So we sit down and we start watching Last of Us. What a great beginning. Loved it. Sucks right. you right in. It looks huge. Great performances. But then there's kind of a shift. And if you've seen the first episode, you kind of know what I'm talking about. There's a little bit of a jump. Once it makes that jump, it started to lose me a little bit. Now, I I know you listening. love You probably love the show. You probably want to come at him with yeah, exactly, pitchforks. Exactly. Right. <laughs> And I'm not saying that I won't be won over, but I will say that at this point, it's not really my, my bag for a couple reasons. One, the overall look that the show kind of takes on is that like rusty, bleak, depressing tone that is just not where my mind is at right now. 
Is it because it's matching what you're feeling? It kind of it kind of matches the tone of the negative aspect of what I'm feeling right now, just kind of being depressed, right? Then it starts. It really hit almost too close with the fact that it was so, had so much to do with like a pandemic. It was almost like it almost felt too soon because it was so such a dark vision of it. It was like seeing the worst of the worst all at once over something that's that was like an hour. Like first episode was like almost like an hour and a half. Right. It felt even longer. Like it was a lot of this. And I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Okay. So it was just a little much for me. And it was just a little bit too. I don't know. Just depressing. And then I started to get lost in the complexity of it. And it kind of drops us in this different sects of rebels and police force or whatever these are. And and they're introducing all these different concepts and this sordid history that has happened over a number of years to kind of catch us up to where we are. And I just got lost. Then I started to get bored. Because I didn't understand really what was going on. The lore was very thick. So maybe this is episode one. Maybe moving forward, it'll start pulling me in a little more. I have not gave up on it. I'll give it a chance. But at this point, that's just my thoughts. I don't see. I don't share those same thoughts. So what what do you think? What do you love about it? I love I love the writing. I love the acting. It doesn't bother me that it's modeled kind of after a pandemic because it is so different. I will say, like, I love the types of like the the zombies that or whatever the creatures are that kind of get infected. Not to give any spoilers away. Yeah, I'm trying to see it. Yeah, you've probably already seen it. But I love I love they're fast moving, super aggressive, but there wasn't enough of them yet. But anyway, they're laying the groundwork. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I also don't have patience. Sorry. I could definitely share your thoughts there for a second, because I was thinking some of those things, but then it made me think, where have I seen the look of the show before? And I realized that if you go on YouTube and you type in, oh my God, what's it called? The Chernobyl Reactor. Oh, oh you, you, you were watching that show. What was it? Like, like if the, if, if the, the people... They're crazy. Well, actually, not right now because there's a war going on there. Mm-hmm. But before the war, so let's get like two or three years ago, you could actually travel to Ukraine. You could actually travel into that uh, exclusion zone where it's completely fenced off in the city of Pipriot, where the Chernobyl reactor is. You can actually walk through there with like a Geiger counter and a radiation suit. And you can actually walk through the city. You can walk through the classrooms or like these apartment buildings where like kids were eating their cereal and then they were told like you got to leave now you know like everybody left literally dropped their forks and spoons and just walked out and left because if you know the you know the story you know there was so much radiation you know and it's so haunting to see that life just stopped but you're looking at it 40 what 30 some years 40 years later so you're seeing vines and trees going through people's living rooms in the middle of a 10th floor building like where there used to be driveways, it's all trees and bushes and weeds and vines. So when you see the look of the show of um, The Last of Us, it's like, wow, it looks it looks like Chernobyl. Like That's completely true. deserted, mm-hmm. deserted country. And that to me is haunting. And it's it's not so much the look of the show, it's like the look of reality. Because you can go on YouTube and find these these videos that crazy people go take. Like, I would never go travel there. And, and it's it's so dangerous, you know? But... Yeah, the, the visuals are haunting, you know? And, yeah, I, you're, I think you're right, though, about the time jumps. They threw me off for a bit, but then I once you get to episode two, you realize, and, and even episode three, there's a reason why they show you the time jumps of, like, 93 to 2003 to 2023. Because they want to show you what happened at the start of the pandemic, and then they want to show you 10 years later how some people are coping and then, they're, then they cut to present day, which is 2023, and it's like, okay, so we have these characters, and it's been 20 years, so what has changed? So, it it, ta- it kind of grows on you, I think, you know? Um, what I did find very, very helpful is, 
at the end of every episode, there's like a five or ten minute um, behind the scenes with the writer, directors, you know, and actors. And they show you the making of that episode and they talk about why things are happening. And you're kind of like, oh, that makes sense. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. Kind of like fill, fills in the blanks a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I recommend watching those after each episode. They're like five, ten minutes, I think. Do we know how many episodes this series is going to be? Hmm. Don't know. I do not know. Hmm. Lauren, I felt like I cut you off. Did I cut you off? Did you have anything to say about it other than? No, I, I it's hard to really talk about it without spoiling it because mm-hmm. it's a new show and I don't want to mess anything up for anybody. But um, I do enjoy it and I'm excited to see what happens on the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I would definitely say when you get to episode three, it's a very, very thought provoking episode. It's going to make you think of your own life of like, what would I do in this situation? And then after that episode four kind of takes a turn, you know, it changes a little bit more, but it's very entertaining, like super action packed craziness ensues. Uh, so it's definitely still got me hooked. I'm not at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm bored. I'm done. I still want to know what's going to happen next. So hopefully you guys get there in the next uh, few episodes. Well, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on it, especially after what you said. I'm definitely going to go back in and see, see how it goes for me. But, you know, hey, if it's if it's for you, it's for you. If it's not, it's not. It's all good. And hey, DM us your thoughts at Tales from the Boo crew on Instagram at Tales from the Boo on Twitter. But no one no one pays attention to us on Twitter um, any at all. (laughs) (laughs) The Boo crew will be right back. Edgar Allan Poe wrote Spirits of the Dead with a pen dipped in warm blood. You will see the ultimate in terror with this important all-star cast. Brigitte Bardot, Alain Delon, Jane Fonda, Terence Stamp, and Peter Fonda in Edgar Allan Poe's Spirits of the Dead. Only Poe's demented genius could bring to the screen such horror and evil. Spirits of the Dead stars Brigitte Bardot, Alain Delon, Jane Fonda, Terence Stamp, and Peter Fonda. Directed by three masters of the cinema, Federico Fellini, Louis Mao, and Roger Vadim. Spirits of the Dead is an adventure in terror beyond your wildest nightmares. Spirits of the Dead in color is rated R. Another one, uh, Lauren and I checked out. We went back to 2002 for this one, and this one's fun. Swim Fan. Oh, so fun. Gee, Leo, have you seen Swim Fan? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was what, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, my God, what's her name? Erica Christensen. Yeah, Erica Christensen. And Sherry Appleby. Sherry Appleby, yeah. She was on um, Roswell, right? Roswell, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Lauren was filling me in because I didn't watch from Roswell. She's like, oh, yeah, she's from Roswell. And Jesse Brad, the wonderful Jesse Bradford playing Ben Cronin. Yes. Jesse Bradford from Bring It On. He was in Bring It On. Remember he was brushing That's his right. teeth like super fast? That's what I remember from Bring It On, the, the brushing the teeth. <laughs> super fast. I don't know why. <laughs> so that was from 2002? Yeah, 2002. And this is a kind of a, the landscape at the time was like films like I Know What You Did Last Summer and... Cruel Intentions and yeah. all those kind of movies were coming out. Fear. All those fun. Yeah. She's all that. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, well, I was mentioning horror movies. <laughs> She's all that is a great movie, by the way. What was the other one? 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. That's a great yeah. one, too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love this movie. What were you going to say? It looks like you were about to jump in, Lauren. Oh, I was just going to say that this movie is like, it's not that it's bad, but it's so bad it's good. Does that make sense? Sure. It's got it's got it's a little bit campy. Yes. In a good way. So good. Did you know who scored this thing? John Debney scored it. This is a guy who gave us the greatest showman, Iron Man, 
Passion of the Christ. I know what you did last summer. Both Hocus Pocus films. <gasps> 32-time award-winning Oscar-nominated composer John Devin made the music for Swim Fan. I'm sure this is the thing he's most proud of. So, but hey, come on. It gives, I think it gives this campy, fun, teen fatal attraction movie this vastness and hugeness that you don't expect. And it makes it really fucking unique. So one fact about this movie is Erica Christensen took cello lessons for three months before filming. And the reason we revisited this movie had something to do with the fact that she plays cello, Lauren. Yes, because we, because we are (laughs) prop addicts, uh, saw that there was a listing on eBay for her notebook that Prop Store originally sold. And it's really cool because it has all this writing in it and it has, well, I don't want to say what it has in there. But it's a key, it's a key uh, component of the movie. Yeah. Um, So if you haven't watched it, uh, you will see her music notebook in there. And that was supposed to arrive today, but it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. Sadly. But But that's why we went back and revisited it. We wanted to see. How much Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, exactly. Is it? A prominent piece, and uh, sure enough, it, yeah, it was. It was also. What I, was this? Was this movie? Uh, was this a movie that it featured texting? It wasn't texting. It was pagers. They were using pagers. <laughs> and, pagers. Yeah, pagers. Is this, is this the first horror movie that involved that? I think I want to say. I am not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, with all those with all those movies around that time, I would imagine some like the faculty there were there pagers right. in the faculty. Cruel intention. Well, they had to have been right because there's no cell phones. They were using pay phones. Like there's many mm-hmm. times where Jesse Bradford looks for a pay phone. My kids wouldn't even know what a no. Pay they phone like, what is. the hell's that? But yeah, a lot of pager action. You know, it's really funny. When oh, you... and the internet. They use the internet because they're on like oh, yeah, early like chat, chat rooms. <laughs> What's funny is if you like look up videos, I don't know, on YouTube or whatever of like kids, this generation of kids, like our kids, and you give them like a phone and one of those like ones where you have to turn the numbers like Like the rotary dial phones. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah. uh, And they're like, can you call this number? They can't figure it out. They're like, what is this? It's really funny. Because how many times did I dial a phone number with that kind of phone and they have no idea how to use it? Cabin Fever's James DeBello makes an awesome appearance, by the way, in this movie. Oh, yeah. James DeBello, who we saw at the K-Rock Almost Acoustic Christmas this year. And I remember when I first moved here, I saw him at an Estero concert. Well, he must love music. It was one of the first things I did when I moved to, to Los Angeles was went and saw wow. Estero and a uh, singer from Toronto. Very, very awesome singer. And Are I turned beside me. I said, no, I turned Never beside was. me and there he was, James DeBello. Amazing. And then I tried to friend him on Friendster. Oh my gosh. Remember that? Friendster? And did he accept? No. Hell no. Wow, your track record, <laughs> Krieger, now. Everybody hates me. No. But yeah, you're going to love this movie because you'll spend the whole time feeling like you're in trouble. That's the one thing it does because it takes you kind of become his avatar. And with what happens, you'll know what I mean when you see it. You'll feel like you're, you're giving me anxiety in a very good way. Five star Yelp review from the Boo Crew on Swim Fan. Go dig it up. We had to actually, it's not streaming yes. anywhere free. We had to actually rent it, right? Or we bought it. We bought we it. We bought it. Leo, okay, you so get- maybe I'm thinking of AIM, instant messaging. Yeah. Wasn't that her, wasn't that her ID, SwimFan? Yes, yeah. it was. It was. I think it was okay. probably like AOL, was. Instra- yeah, AOL Instant Messenger or something. It was like very like archaic. Yes. When they use the computers, it's like all text and things. Yeah. But yeah, very, very good. Very good. Directed by John Polson, who also did Fear the Walking Dead and a great movie. That I, I, I remember seeing it and loving it, but I don't even remember what, what it was about. Hide and Seek in 2005. Robert De Niro, Dakota Fanning and Famke Jensen. Yeah. Lord of Illusions. And what was the other one she was in? The 
House on Haunted Hill? Is that the one? What was the one where they 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 get a bunch of money if they can stay in the house? Is and it, it was a remake. Is it the haunting? No, 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 no. Then it must be a house. House on Haunted Hill. Hill. Yeah, yeah, the remake of House on Haunted Hill. She was in the faculty. And I think she was in the faculty as one of the teachers. Yes. Yeah. Leo, you got anything? Well, yeah, I, I'm all caught up with The Last of Us, as, as I said, and uh, I watched Skin of a Rink. You guys watch that? Yes, we did, man. I'm curious to, to uh, I, I want to talk about this movie as I'm curious as to your thoughts, because Lauren has yeah, her thoughts so, and I have mine. So definitely uh, written and directed by Kyle Edward Ball. The tagline is two children wake up in the middle of the night to find their father is missing. And all of the windows and doors in their home have vanished. And along with that, so did my mind. <laughs> did you, in a good way or a bad way? It's a very dis- divisive movie. A lot of people either can't stand it or think it's the scariest thing they've ever seen. Where do you yeah, land? I mean, I, w- I wish it was an hour and a half movie because it, you know, it was like, what, four hours, five hours? <laughs> it, was, it was about it's about close to, I think it was just over an hour and a half, actually. It wasn't that long. Yeah. Wasn't that long? I pulled a Lauren. Like, I pulled a Lauren, and I'm like, oh, my eyes are closing. And I woke up, and I'm like, what's going on? So I had to, like, go back and rewatch the movie again and again and again. <laughs> um, See, I'd fall asleep, and there was so much repetition that I'd be like, oh, I yeah. didn't miss anything. Because it was the same scene I fell asleep on. It's, de- it's I mean, yeah, it's I- an experimental film, clearly, right? Uh-huh. And they do they do use that technique a lot. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you. I, I, I just I just wish I didn't watch it at four in the morning. I wish I was watching it like during prime time when I'm alert, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah, I thought the visuals were were interesting. I wasn't sure what was going on because it's like okay, so we're not going to see any faces. We're not going to see this. We're not going to see that. We're not going to see this. And then you start to see weird things. You know, like stuff on the ceiling, you know, stuff on the walls. And I'm like, okay. The movie unfolds, the movie ends, and, and there's just some creepy moments in there for sure. I think I jumped a couple times. Uh, a couple times the visuals and, and the uh, audio definitely got me. So I'm like, oh shit. Uh, so if he scared, scared me a couple times there. Um, and. Yeah, I wasn't sh- I wasn't sure like what to think of it at the end. I'm I'm, I'm still thinking about it, so that means I'm going to revisit it one more time, possibly two more, because I've read people's dissertations on it, and it's like they've interpreted some pretty amazing things out of the movie. And I'm I'm I don't know if I'm sold on what I what I've read, you know? Because it's like, okay, well that's not exactly defined or explained, but you're going with that. Okay, fine. So I'm still not a hundred percent sure of how to like wrap up the movie and define it and summarize it. Um, but for being very experimental with the visuals and the audio, because I I I got I got suckered in because you know at times you hear the audio is very low and you're like, oh you're not meant to hear that it's just background noise you know because when the kids are talking or they put up the words on the screen and you're like, oh cool. So there isn't there isn't anything super deeply hidden that you have to listen for, or or maybe there is. Um, yeah, the audio is definitely yeah, very, like uh, all warped, right? Like the way that the audio yeah. is treated is not normal at all. Everything sounds bizarre, right? right. Which I loved. I and thought then, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some great things, some fun things about this for sure. Like you know, you start to think, why are the angles high? And then it's like, who's behind the camera? Like whose point of view is this? You know. And then there are some creepy moments. There's there's some creepy things that happen, and you're like, "Whoa!" Out of left left field, you know. And you're like, "Whoa! Why is this, why did this happen? What? What's going on?" You know. It's, so I like when things like that happen that surprise you, that just shock you, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the movie ends, and you know, it's like, okay, I'm not sure how to rip it apart and summarize it, you know, as to what I saw. Yeah. So it's going to require another viewing, possibly too, but. From what I saw, it was it was pretty cool, pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there is an ironclad 
meaning to it per se. I think there's definitely clues that he's put in through some of the dialogue that can sway you in one direction. I think I know what you're, what you're talking about in terms of the different dissertations you're hearing and reading yeah. online and Reddit and everything. Everybody's got kind of their own theory, but there is a common thread that goes through all the theories that, you know, if you see the movie, you'll know what we're, if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. We're not going to spoil it for you, but there are some moments that allude to some possibilities of what could be going on. Lauren, what did you, what was your take on it? Was it just, you, you're just kind of like, hey, this is the same thing over and over again. It's just, it was very lulling, especially with someone that falls asleep very yeah. easily. Yeah, for someone who falls asleep very easily, putting this on late at night is, yeah, it's a tough one. It was like being on a cruise and having that ocean that swaying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I fell asleep pretty quickly because I feel like they would be on an image for a very long time and you're supposed to like look around and I felt like I was trying to look around and see what's different in the picture. And right. But in that time I was like, Oh, this is taking too long and I'm too tired. And then I'd fall asleep and then I'd try and it just, it was a lot of the same. And I found that very lulling and, very easy to sleep too. I just I need something that's faster. Sure. Pace no, I get it. I get and, it. And different environments to keep me. Maybe if I watched it at like twelve o'clock during the day, it would have kept my interest more. But because we watch things so late, it's a struggle for me to stay awake. You see, I think that this movie wouldn't work as well being seen in the day. I think that. Seeing it late at night is is the time to see it because it's also the time when I think it's going to be most effective for you. For some reason, I really fell into the spell and rhythm of this movie pretty quickly. I was kind of surprised that I did because I knew where your mind was at pretty quickly, too. But for some reason, I kind of I don't know. I kind of got I fell under its spell. I I, I kind of got hypnotized into the rhythm of the film and then I kind of started understanding the visual language a little bit and I kind of was like okay we're facing this corner but he's showing this corner of the room because he's telling us to look there because he's about to pan over to the left and show us something that should not be and that kind of seemed to be a pattern that was going on whenever he'd linger on one shot or he'd just shoot down a dark hallway and your mind is kind of set free to really feel what it would be like to be in that moment as a kid. And you hear these kids and their voices are very sweet, innocent voices. A four-year-old and a six-year-old is what they're supposed to be. And then it made me think of our kids and the times when they come walking into our room in the middle of the night and how that must feel for them and how we felt as kids when we would have those moments. You see the TV is the only thing lighting up your parents' room and they're asleep and everything's blue, got that blue Tinge to it, and I remember as a kid, the many like the moments I was scared the most is when you're walking around and the whole house is quiet and everybody's asleep and you're the only one who's awake and you feel powerless. So I kind of got hypnotized back to that time when I was a kid. So that's what it reminded me of. And then when the different unsettling images and things that the kids would come across. And the fact that you don't see their faces, so much was left to the imagination that it really kind of felt. And there were some moments where you do see things and it felt like the way that the end of Blair Witch Project made me feel. Right. People yelling Josh and the one guy just facing the corner of a room and you can't see their face. That mixed with the tape from the ring. The two of those things combined, the way I feel watching both those things combined was what yeah. this movie did to me. And we stopped it. Well, I stopped it halfway in the middle because you had fallen asleep. So we start like dead in the middle of the movie and it was like two or three in the morning and I was fucking terrified to go upstairs. Yeah. Well, like I had nightmares all night. I was terrified. So <laughs> the best thing that happens is when I'm sleeping on the couch next to him and he gets scared. And then it scares me in my dreams because I have no idea why he's screaming because I'm asleep. 
Or are you talking about when I'm asleep having nightmares and I'm yelling in my nightmares? Because no, I've done that. I'm, that's oh. freaking scary. In my too. dream, I'm yelling like, ah! But beside you when I'm asleep, it's like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no. But oh, you're talking like on the couch. Yeah, when, when I'm like, a oh, jump scare, yeah, that happened a couple of times. I'll wake up from and what I'll, Leo was talking about, and I'm like, oh my god, what's yeah. going on? Is someone? Yeah, I've in? jumped. There I've, was a couple of times, and yeah, because yeah, he weaponizes sound so so well because everything's so yeah. quiet, and then he'll blast like the white noise of the room for no reason and bring it back down, and then right. scare the shit out of you with a loud blast at some point when you're being lulled into the. The, re- the repetition and the rhythm of the movie. I thought it was really well done, and I've definitely never seen anything like it, except for, for, again, the feeling I got, the feeling I got watching the end of The Blair Witch and the feeling I got from the ring tape mixed together. It was like, it, I can't explain it other than that. It was it was a recreation of that feeling, not necessarily those visuals, but there, there are remnants of those visuals, too. But I don't know. It, that, but, but it was freaking also me the, out. Uh, the Gen X, uh, the Gen X toys, uh, like the rotary uh, phone. Oh lines. yeah, I had those. See, I had those toys. Yeah, I had that. I had that. Yeah. And the Legos, obviously. The Legos. And they're watching and these the crazy cartoons like, from like the forties. Yeah. <sighs> and the, the the architecture of what was in the Legos, like what what was the structure? Was it the house? What like what? Because you see through the windows of some of the, you know, the Lego pieces and you're like, well, what was he building? What was the kid building? You know? Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot there. There's a lot there to dissect for sure. You know, um, and no score. Yeah. How like how creepy did that feel? No score. That's like, yeah, all you hear is what the kids are hearing. And then you'll hear like voices from, yeah. like upstairs and stuff. And some of them are so quiet, like and they're written in subtitles. Just fucking Freak the shit out of me. Gotta be honest. Last time I felt like this was that Megan is missing. Seeing that god awful scene of Megan is missing that messed me up for weeks. Yeah. God, that one scene in Megan is missing, the yeah. one that went viral. <laughs> Whoa. So yeah. Disturbing. Well, I'll give it another try. Well, I mean, you know, it's. I would not force you into it. I think it's one of those things. You either, you know, are going to like it or it's not going to be your thing, you know. But, yeah, if you get another try, I'll definitely watch it again with you because there are things that I'd love to explore more about, you know, diving into the meaning. Because there are some there are some moments where you hear some stuff that gives some context to what what could be actually going on here. And there is another film that he made called Heck that this is like a short film that was kind of a proof of concept for this film Hmm. that... If it reveals, it points in a certain direction. So if this is certainly based on that, then there are there are definitely some big clues as to what's going on here. I wonder what he's going to do next because this was very successful, right? Yeah, made for fifteen thousand bucks, filmed in his childhood home, and made over two million at the theaters in a limited run. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And I've heard that people, the studios are already saying we want the next skin in rank. Of course. So, yep. And word is, also, uh, I, I was watching, sorry, before you continue, I was watching an interview yeah. where he was saying that he was in talks with a, a very well-known production company mm. to do further work. And my guess is A24. That's my guess. Anyway, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if it's there for sure. Oh, no, that was, I was going to just say I watched something else as well. Oh, um, yeah. Hit us, man. Hit us. Guys, I know I brought this up like many episodes ago, but it's something I had to revisit because I found it on HBO Max. I watched, uh, rewatched The Suspect Zero. You guys watched that? Never seen it. Nope. Okay. Highly recommend it. It's, uh, it came out in 2004. It's along the lines of like um, Silence of the Lambs. So if you like that kind of movie, it's along, it's very much along those lines. So quickly, a quick synopsis of the movie is a mysterious serial killer is hunting other serial killers and one FBI agent suspects there may be more to the vigilante than they imagine. That's a really cool plot. So what do you do? Are you cheering for this guy? Because he's killing a guy or girl killing serial killers. Yeah, it's 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 Ben Kingsley. Number one. 
Uh, you also have Aaron Eckhart and Carrie Ann Moss as the FBI agents. Matrix. Yes. I mean, it's dark, man. But it's based on an actual real thing. No In the movie, shit. Ben Kingsley's character is a, is a remote viewer. Oh, so that's cool. Yeah, so he's doing remote viewing, like, pencil, paper, like, sketches, you know? Yeah. And he's, like, sketching out, like, the next victim, the location, like, what's going to happen, like, whether there's blood or not, or if it's a car, or the woods, or the trees, or a diner, or whatever. He's sketching really, really fast. And he always tries to, like, get there before the serial killer, you know, to stop him, you know? And... The whole concept of remote viewing is actually a real thing, by the way. Um, it was a CIA thing. It was called Project Stargate. You can guys can look it up. It's in the 1960s. Um, that was during the Cold War. It was used to spy on the Russians. And apparently, um, the person who developed it, one of the guys, his name is Major Ed Dames, who was in the U.S. Army. He makes a cameo in the movie. So he's in one of the TV scenes. If you watch the movie, you'll see him in the TV screen. He invented this remote viewing and perfected it, I guess you would say. But yeah, it's, apparently it's a thing you can teach someone. You can teach someone how to see an object or a person or a thing that's missing far away, locked up in a different country or anything. I don't know how I don't know how it works. It's almost like psychic ability, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. How how would you teach someone that? Wouldn't that be just a, like a I, gift? App- apparently not. It's like I, I sat I sat through one of those lessons. Was it like a combination of like medi- meditation and, and all that kind of stuff to yes. be able to get yeah. yourself there? Yeah. Yeah. It's more like clear your mind. And then it's like the voice always says, you know, like stay on target, like five, four, three, two, one, stay on target. Just focus on the target. You know, it's very like precise, like meditation, like focusing. I don't know, man. I don't know if you really need to be gifted or something, but. And the CIA used to use this as a, as a legit yes. technique. Yes. Yeah, look it up. Project Stargate. It's wild. Crazy. Um, but, the, but the fact that it, there's a really cool cat and mouse game, and then it becomes very, like, when the plot unfolds, like, halfway through, it's just shocking. Like, like what you thought was going on, it's, like, it's like worse. It's, like, it makes you think of, like, why there's so many people that go missing in the U.S. You know, kids, right? kids and young adults and teens and this movie like shows you one good reason why they go missing and why they're never found again and it's pretty scary man especially you know we we keep hearing about these serial killers right we keep hearing about this this guy this girl this guy and it's like usually at the end of whatever you're watching the documentary it's like yeah they confessed to 30 murders but it could have been 500 and you're like 500 damn you know so it's it's one of those situations where the movie explores that there really could have been a serial killer doing this or maybe there was or maybe there is you know but um i thought it was well done i mean ben kingsley he, he kills it he's just this amazing awesome actor down to the down to the last scene of the movies he's, he's incredible he's great uh, i highly recommend it if you have not seen it highly recommend it have not seen it and I want to see it and this little fun fact too makes me want to see it the film is based on a first draft by Zach Penn that allegedly impressed Steven Spielberg so much in his depiction of serial killers elongated middle fingers that Steven went home and checked his children's hands wow wow <laughs> I'm assuming it says something about maybe serial killers having like middle fingers that are longer than other fingers or something isn't that a thing Yes. Yeah, I think I've heard like um, if your ring finger is taller or longer than your index finger, it's something weird like that. Yeah, mine is. Well, that that doesn't that doesn't make you a serial killer. Mine definitely is. Makes you probably a better mechanic or better at sex or something, but that's about (laughs) it. I mean, Jesus, really? I mean, serial killer? Oh my god! It makes me hated by Zach Kreger is what it does. Oh, right. Oh well. So, trivia time, trivia time, trivia Oh, yeah, time. trivia. All right, in the movie Evil Dead 2. Yes. What book does Ash put on top of the garbage can to trap his severed hand? Oh, it's something to do with hands or... Uh, is it a call to arms? Well, I'll tell you, the movie's actually out right now, and it's voted... I think it's uh, there's a voted for an Academy Award, Best Picture or something. 
What is it? Hit me. I have no Man, idea. You almost got it. Is it? Is it a call? It's a call to arms. Something like that, right? Something yeah. about arms or hands. Yeah. Yep. But farewell to arms. Farewell to arms. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Man, I love Evil Dead too. And you know what I like as well, just as much, easily just as much. What? Fetty Alvarez, Evil Dead 2013. Oh, so oh. oh, yeah. Brilliant. I can't say enough yes. about that movie. None of us can. We love it so much. All right, guys. That was your Boo Crew episode 370. Thank you so much for being patient with us and our yapping. Production tracks for this one provided as usual by Powerman 5000 Incorporated. Till next time, this is Trevor, Lauren, and Leo saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Taylor. Tales from the Boo Crew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.